0: America, sweet America You know, God done shed his grace on thee he... Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's Freedom Friday, and time for another episode of Jeff Fry, an American Conservative. If we can, I'd like to take a couple of minutes this week to talk about President Biden and what you might think about his uh, global energy plan for us. I realize that on vast majority of the major media networks, very little attention will go to anything that might be controversial on what's going on in the administration of Biden. But just so that you know, on August the 11th, a statement was released from the National Security Advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan's his name, and it it had to do with the amount of oil or gasoline that we currently have, the levels within our country. And I'd like to read to you, it's only a couple of minutes, um, what that statement said. It said that higher gasoline costs if left unchecked, risk harming the ongoing global recovery. The price of crude oil has been higher than it was at the end of 2019 before the onset of the pandemic. While OPEC recently agreed to production increases, these increases will not fully offset previous production cuts that OPEC imposed during the pandemic until well into 2022. At a critical moment in the global recovery, this is simply not enough. President Biden has made clear that he wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy, including at the pump. Although we are not a party to OPEC, the United States will always speak to international partners regarding issues of significance that affect our national economic and security affairs, in public and private. We are engaging with relevant OPEC members on the importance of competitive markets in setting prices. Competitive energy markets will ensure reliable and stable energy supplies, and OPEC must do more to support the recovery. So on the surface of this, it just sounds like an innocent little minute-and-a-half blurb that was released, although nothing talked about in our media, but what it's actually saying is that the Biden administration has once again, by the way, gone back to OPEC. Remember them from the 70s, the Sheiks? They've gone back to them and asked them to increase their production so that we have enough oil and that our pricing will actually become more competitive than what it has happened over the last seven months since Biden has taken office, which, by the way, has been an increase, at least at the gasoline pumps, of about 70%. Now, isn't this ironic that the president now feels, just because the gasoline prices have gone up and the American public feels it when they go to the pump every week, that there's something that we need to do about that to help stabilize prices? So instead of looking towards the U.S. with our vast supply of energy sources, we're now going back to the old partners of OPEC. And it's not just OPEC, by the way. It's also Russian oil and Chinese oil. In order to give more supplies to us, supplies that we can give to ourselves, by the way, but now we have to go and pay for it at the pump. Now, in that little statement that was done by Jake Sullivan, he alludes to where the price of crude oil was at the onset of the pandemic. But in reality, let's go back to where it was approximately when Joe Biden took his presidency. And I mean taking presidency literally. It was about $25 to $30 a barrel. Well, guess what it ended up this last week? It was about a barrel. So you're wondering, okay, are you surprised that there's an increase? I mean, we had oil is two and a half times what it was when Joe Biden took office. Is it his fault? Well, sort of. I mean, let's face it, pure economics will will tell you that uh, as supply is, is lessened, and demand increases, you pay more. And there's no doubt, under the pandemic, people were using less gasoline, so the demand for it went down. And we were kind of lulled into the cost factor of it. But now, uh, with the onset of the vaccines globally reopening, and our economy getting back onto full steam, at least hopefully, People are using more oil, more gas, and we're suddenly finding out we don't have the supply that we had under the prior Trump administration. In fact, let's talk about that for a minute. In the last six months, President Biden has, number one, shut down oil and energy development in the Anwar pipeline which would have increased the use of Alaska Pipeline. He blocked the Keystone Pipeline from completion. He also banned energy development on federal lands. He shut down the sale of energy leases in the Gulf of Mexico. He blocked energy development in Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico, and Alabama. So by all rights, what he did immediately upon becoming president is he shut down America's ability to drill and process American oil for energy, thus making it more and more reliant, as we were, by the way, uh, under the Obama administration, upon foreign sources. And what about the press secretary, Jen Psaki, when she tried to explain the same kind of thing in one of her press briefings. She said, the president wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy, including at the pump. And that's why our team is constantly monitoring gas prices and directly communicating with OPEC parties to get to a deal and allow proposed production increases to move forward. And the reason I've referenced it so many times is because I think there sometimes is a misunderstanding of what causes gas prices to increase. And so to convey to the American people that we're working on it and certainly the supply availability of oil has a huge impact. This crock of shit that's being thrown at us from this administration is appalling and it actually insults the intelligence of our people. If it wasn't so blatantly obvious to every single American, when they go to the pump, and instead of paying $2.20 a gallon, we're now paying $3.10 a gallon, this, this whole issue would be, as most issues are with this administration, it would be kept hidden from us. But unfortunately, they can't do that. And in the meantime, they're hoping that this increase in energy costs at the pump will force us over to the electric car industry, as if that's going to be the answer to all of our problems. Honestly, what kind of knucklehead theory is out there which thinks that just because you can plug something into the wall that it magically stops the emissions and the, uh, or or that we become a greener planet as a result of this. Who doesn't understand the concept that you still need to generate electricity to be able to plug in to your car and and tap off at this resource? And under today's technology, where do you think that energy is coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from now. It's coming from the over 500 coal-fired plants that China has increased over the last couple of years to provide more energy source to the world marketplace. And do you think China, with their coal-fired plants, is doing it better for our climate than perhaps what some of the other countries out there that could be doing it including the United States does anyone really care what china is belching into our atmosphere i don't think so so in reality what what are we trying to accomplish by thinking that america is helping to become a greener climate for the world by cutting down our ability to go after oil and shale and fracking, but on the other hand, we're looking to other areas of the world to give us the exact same thing. I mean, isn't it truly using the same energy and byproducts on the gallon or the barrel of oil that we might get out of the United States as opposed to the barrel of oil that we're going to pull out of the North Sea or out of the Chinese mountains? Doesn't anybody else realize that what's happening in the United States right now with this Green New Deal going through or the auspice of a Green New Deal, with all of this multi-trillion dollar spending that the Democrats are forcing down our throats because they can, and it won't be done with a fair vote, by the way, the vast majority of that will be done with reconciliation. Reconciliation meaning a majority vote because it will be added more or less like an addendum to an established law, which, by the way, would be that hilarious misnomer they just passed called the infrastructure bill. Now, one thing the Democrats do very well is they they make things look really good and make you look really evil if you vote against it. And after all, who wouldn't? vote for an infrastructure bill because of our aging roadways and bridges and all that. $1.9 trillion, that's such a small number to try to invest long-term, they say, for the American good. Obviously, what they don't tell you is that only about 25% of that $1.9 trillion legitimately goes towards what we would know as infrastructure spending. I guess we aren't really being told about the over $100 billion in that bill which is to assist in the relocation of our immigration problem that we have down in our southern border. Human infrastructure I suppose is what it is. Because I'm having trouble myself wrapping around what immigration has to do with bridges and tunnels. They ought to spend just a fraction of that cost and finish building the walls, frankly, that Trump had in place. Does anybody understand that we've had almost 200,000 immigrants come into our country per month over the last three months? Weren't we told by this administration that the surge that was happening in the spring was normal? and it always cut down during the summer months because it got hot and hard to travel. Are we not in the hottest parts of the months? And yet for the last three months, we have had unprecedented immigration across that southern border, illegal immigration, I might add. Couple that up there with the fact that the, once again, unprecedented numbers of children that are coming across these borders without parents or relatives. I can tell you all that outcry about President Trump ripping children from their parents arms. But no one's talking about these tens of thousands of children coming across each month without parents. And where are they going exactly? Was there any coverage on our local television the other day when in the nighttime, the cloak of darkness, chartered planes landed at our airport in Maryland, only to have these people, these illegal immigrants, shepherded off into buses and redistribute it? Redistribute it where exactly? Your towns, your schools, there's no doubt, little doubt, I should say, that when your children go back to school this year, they're going to have new classmates, Spanish speaking probably, may have COVID 19 virus, because no one's checking. We don't know. Somehow, they're able to come into our country without even having to be tested, or the tests are minimal. Give me a break. They're offered tests. Then it take a few days or whatever to figure out whether the tests are viable? What do we do with them in the meantime? No. All the news media was concerned about, and the administration, was that we don't see these, these receiving centers being overburdened with people, which, by the way, they looks like they still are. So you get them in, you get them out. So it doesn't look like there's a problem, right? Wrong. 200,000 a month, they're the ones that we catch, by the way, are being redistributed somewhere within the United States. You do the math, they're going somewhere, and this has been, what, at those levels, it's been that way for the last three months. Wake up, America. This this stuff that's happening here is a power play, and it's our movement to turn us into a government-dependent society. What does that mean? Oh, maybe we don't want to use socialism or Marxism or a communist... How about if we just, say, a government-assisted economy? Is that what you want? You want the ability for the government to start paying for everything? When they pay for everything, we lose everything. We lose our independence. We lose our ability to get ahead. We become one of the minions, dictated by what the government wants us to have. Be careful, America, and start... Start really concentrating on what's going on at these midterm elections. We need to get the House and the Senate back. I want to thank you for being with me this week, and I look forward to our next episode. I am Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.